It's hour number two of the lowdown on Sports 1440. You can call me Al. I was playing uh, Solitaire, the Wordle Solitaire, before I came on, and I was so close to winning, and I had to shut it down because I had timed it out incorrectly. And, you know, you'd think as an adult I'd get over that, but it still burns me, Declan. I was almost there. I could have won that thing. That's quite the crossover, Wordle and Solitaire. That's like two two things the people your demographic love most. And they combined it into one just for you guys. That's incredible. I don't, know if, I don't know if those are two things we love most. I would say food and and social interaction are right up there. Well, they're in the Declan, top ten at least. You know, at least. We're not that old. You know, we get out once in a while. We watch Murder, She Wrote, and then we get on a bike. Okay. Do we have McCurdy? All right. Bruce McCurdy joins us now from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. Bruce, they, they've added Adam Ernie. That's three PTOs now. I put them in this order, Gagne, and then the rest. What about you? Ah, that sounds about right. I mean, I think partly a big part of what they're doing is just uh, uh, thickening up the uh, official veterans part of the roster uh, so that they can, you know, go to Winnipeg and ice a legal team of, what is it, what, what is it seven veterans yeah. and, at least, and uh, a lot of teams do this. And that... Uh, that notorious uh, day, Winnipeg road game day, where the Oilers fly there, play there, and fly home all on the all on the same day. It's a game that the you know the established veterans avoid like the plague, and the guys that are on PTOs and on the you know on the fringes are happy to take every opportunity that they get. So off they uh, off they go to. Uh, uh, you know, you're playing eight games in 13 days. You want to play McDavid and all eight of them? No. So, so that's what they're for. I'm not sure any of them has a real big shot to make the team, to be honest. Online reaction, Bruce, often with a, a, a you know Adam or any PTO is for people to react, uh, and I understand why about you know well this means Raphael Lavoie is not going to make the team. I think it's probably important for people to understand that that the Edmonton Oilers know what they have in a young player like Lavoie. He has to come in and perform well, but they also know that there's, there are waiver worries and maybe they end up trading him, but they have the asset. They're going to value the asset and we, we don't know how this is going to all work out, but I think if Lavoie plays well enough, he'll be on the team. Fair? 100%. Yeah. He, he's the leading candidate to win that coveted, uh, 21st Oilers spot, which seems to be only one left available already. Um, and for the very reason that, uh, it, well, A, he's signed, which none of the three PTOs are as yet. Uh, he's got, um, uh, but they've invested a lot in this player, and they really don't want to have to put him on waivers. Um, you know, if it's any kind of a of a close battle, they'll work a different way around it than uh, putting him on waivers. Because you have to think, I mean, Montreal and Ottawa are two teams that would very look very hard at a at a 6-4 scoring forward that couldn't quite make the Edmonton Oilers, you know. So that's a case of a guy I don't think would slip through. No, I agree with so, that. So uh, they got to start with that. And, uh, I mean, Ken Holland likes to put pros, you know, what he calls pros, approvingly, as obstacles for uh, uh, players coming up. And, sure, there'll be lots of guys at camp, but Laval will get his chances. And, you know, I'm more concerned about a guy like Philip Broberg, uh, where he's got three pros ahead of him at left defense, 
And one of them's got seven years left on his contract, and the other two have three each. Now, how the heck does he work his way in there without some kind of uh, a difficult struggle? So that's more where the where the logjam is and, you know, a whole bunch of guys basically trying out for one position. Bruce McCurdy, our guest from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal on Sports 1440 and the Lowdown with Low Tide. Bruce... I I wonder about on the defensive side, because I agree with you. I think Broberg is blocked and blocked in a way that we often use that word, but he really is. Yeah. The, the only thing that, that really uh, is out there, and it is, it, it, I mean, it's a fact, is they were the, the top six defensemen, seven really were so healthy a year ago. It was it was hard for young players. I think Darren A played less than forty games too, so that the likelihood of somebody getting hurt is higher just on the you know the randomness of time, uh, and yet you know going into camp or going into camp and then the the regular season, it's it's hard to find seventy games for Boberg if everybody's healthy. Yeah, last year they had uh, uh, five defensemen who played eighty plus games. Now I'm counting. Uh, Barry and, uh, and Eckholm kind of as one defenseman because they were traded for each other. But between them, they never missed a game. Uh, and the only guy who missed a game in the top five was CeCe, who went home for two games while his wife was given birth. And otherwise, uh, uh, they were healthy enough at least to play. And so you wound up with this hodgepodge of Nima Linen, uh, with, uh, with Broberg and, uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of, uh, and Andy Harney, and there wasn't a whole lot of room for them all. And part, well, partly they dealt with the issue by going 11-7 in a lot of games, and I think we're yeah. still going to see plenty of that. I think we're going to see a 12-7 roster. I mean, it seems obvious, and they'll either go 12-6 or 11-7. Those are kind of the options at the coach's disposal to somehow use 20 out of his 21 players for, for a given game. And... Uh, uh, so we will still see some of that, but the seven guys seem pretty locked in. And the thing is, on the left side especially, you know, the three guys with the big contracts, they're all capable of playing mega minutes. And so it kind of leaves scraps for, for a guy like Broberg, who either switches to the right side some, or uh, one of the vets switches to the right side some, or uh, what happened down the stretch last year when they went from three lefties and four righties to four lefties and three righties after the after the Barry for Eckholm trade, as Broberg went from playing every third shift on the on the left side to kind of being an extra guy and averaging about six or seven minutes in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's 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 a difficult hill for him to climb and I'm keen to see how they're uh, how, how they're gonna work that out. Do you because I, I, I've written about this, I, I, I read your stuff, I can't remember if you wrote about this, but I do feel as though if they get to the deadline and they need something big, Broberg or Holloway could be in play in a way that maybe they weren't a year ago. And, and for Broberg, in his case, one of the reasons might be is that they are so absolutely established with veterans at his position. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they got, those, they, they got those three with all with big term remaining, and that's where I think Holland's kind of, locked himself in a little bit on the term front. You know, if, if uh, Kulak had one year to run, you could kind of run with some combination of those guys. But with three years left, you know, there's no sort of obvious escape route. And trading away term contracts, even on decent players, is becoming a real difficult thing to do in this league, and it's coming at a cost. And so the Oilers have some, you know, they have um, 
sort of no no easy exit uh, out of that situation, and, and mostly it's good. I mean, they're really set on left D. They got they got some good good guys there, uh, and they're but the top three guys are locked up, and their their AAV combines to eighteen million dollars. So that's uh, you know a, a heavy investment at that position. And I agree that come the come the deadline, anybody who doesn't doesn't uh, fit in as a sort of immediate obvious solution to a problem might be made available. And I particularly wonder this year that uh, my feeling is that this will be Ken Holland's last year, mm-hmm. and that he really is you know when he's borrowing from next year's cap hit to pay Con- Connor Brown this year, and he's borrowed from future drafts, you know, as an, on an ongoing thing to pay for rentals at the deadline. And his temptation will be strong to do everything he can to win this year, which is great. But at the end of the year, you know, you're going to have a little rubble pile that you're going to have to deal with in terms of uh, moving forward. Sports 1440, Lowdown with Low Tide. Bruce McCurdy, our guest from the Cult of Hockey, the Evanston Journal. Uh, you and I, sir, have been talking about you know, either orientation camps or rookie camps whenever for like at least 15 years, I'm sure, mm-hmm. or borderline 20. So what are you looking for and who are you looking at for this tournament that starts on Friday? Well, what I'm looking at is a real weird roster that if you were to ask me who are the 10 best players on this roster, I think I might say seven of them are wingers. And, you know, there's one center in Jaden Group I'm extremely interested to watch, and, and uh, he's stepping into a fairly large-sized hole left by the departures of uh, of uh, Noah Philp and also above him, Nick Bugstad. And if the Oilers want a big right-hand center in the organization, all of a sudden this guy's it. And he won't be it this upcoming season, I'm, I'm sure. It's going to take him a year or two, but he's a, he's a pretty fascinating prospect. And just the fact that he's new to us, you know, we haven't been kind of tracking what he's been doing and, in the, you know, German league during the COVID situation or anything like that. He's just a new guy and he's sort of come fully formed, 20 years old, six foot three, right shot, defensive mind, leadership oriented center. He checks a lot of boxes and rumor has it he checks a lot of opponents too. And, and uh, so he's a player that I'm particularly keen to watch. So when we when we look at this roster and then, you know, very shortly, probably maybe even on Sunday, but somewhere along the line, there's going to be uh, the the actual invite list to main camp. And I, I think we're going to see a, at least a few. Borgo will definitely be on it. Petrov, uh, Warner, I don't know about Aki. He may just head back to uh, his OHL camp, but maybe he's around for a little while. Uh, anybody that you're that that who who is likely to come to this training camp because I think we pretty much know there's one spot open and it'll be one of Lavoie or Sutter or Gagne or Kajula or Peterson. So there's like five guys for one spots spot. Anybody that, that from not on that list that you can see even pushing for a job? Uh, well, yes, but not in October. I, I do think Bor- Borgo is probably the closest and has the biggest potential to surprise by taking a step and, you know, sort of announcing his presence uh, with authority, as Nukalush uh, once tended to do, and uh, uh, and making a claim. And he, he's uh, got the advantage, you know, being a young, skilled right winger where they do have a little bit of a, uh, 
of a whole on the team, having you know given up on both uh, Pugliarvi and Yamamoto last year. Uh, so he's in a pretty good spot, but I honestly wouldn't expect to see him till uh, New Year's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the standard Holland uh, fashion is, um, you know, give vets the first shot, marinate the youngsters a little longer in the minors, uh, unless you're in that situation where you can't send them down to the minors without risking them. So this is where Lavoie, I think, has a has sort of a serious leg up after, you know, four years uh, in the system, a second-round draft choice spent on him, and, you know, three years of constant improvement at the minor league level from five goals to 13 to 25. And it might take him a little while, but you know what? He's probably got a little while on the team. He could be the 21st guy some nights, the 20th guy some nights. Uh, you know, he might... Uh, uh, but giving up on him would be harsh when you got all those other horses that are going to win games for you. So... Yeah. Uh, I think he's in there, and I think uh, guys like uh, uh, Ty Tulio, Matvey Petrov, uh, Carter Savoy are all best served with time in the minors, and I think there's enough, you know, there, there's enough uh, buffer up here for for them to follow that plan. I don't know if you uh, saw the Tony Brar tweet uh, yesterday talking about. Borgo saying that his skating really stood out, edge work great, uh, and appears to have put on some size this offseason. That's one of the, the, the memes that happens every year about size and bigger and stronger. And, uh, it, it happened in this particular case. I believe Brari's a very good reporter, but I wanted, I wanted to know if you could, and, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I remember a lot of your writing about, you know, the first time we both wrote about the first time we saw McDavid, uh, and other events that occurred over the years. When, when you have been a part of either the orientation camp or the rookie camp or the Sherwood Park camps or any of those things, anything stand out for you or any memory that you have that, that sort of rises above everything else? Oh, boy. Uh, Sherwood Park camps. Neil Yakupov shooting the puck, man. Yeah. I was convinced. First day I saw him, he was going, wham, 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 wham. Just The puck was just flying off of his stick with some sort of no wind-up bam. And, and the way he was shooting, I thought, this is a guy who's going to score a lot of NHL goals. So, uh, you know, file that one in the, in the L column. And there's been quite a few, uh, it has quite a, quite a, quite a few uh, uh, friends in that column, by the way, because it's pretty easy <laughs> to get fooled by these guys. And the trick is that you're trying to project skills that you see uh, that work in hockey situations. You know, they might always work against fellow training camp scrubs, but... What are the actual skills that will um, translate to to uh, to the NHL? I remember seeing Wayne Gretzky scoring a goal in training camp, 1979, Alan, where he did that little cut of his where he was going one way and all of a sudden he was going the other way, quick wind-up, slap shot, top corner. And I don't care who the D-man or the goalie was because he was going to do the same thing in that same amount of space in any league that he played, which indeed he did. And so that's the kind of kind of little vignettes that I'm looking for. Where, where is the sort of raw skill that will work in, uh, in the situations you see, hockey situations? But uh, uh, who's the who's the guy that 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 is able to own the puck inside of the other guy's space and you know has the, has the instincts? And even though they're clearly going to need two, three years in many cases to round out their full games. What is it that they're going to be able to bring in two, three, five years' time that's going to be an NHL-level skill that's going to be a plus? 
And so that's uh, that's the lookout. And Neil Yakupov's shot seemed to be one such thing. And of course, Taylor Hall skating and Connor McDavid skating. And yeah, well. Leon Drysaddle's puck protection, you know, things like that, where you'd look at the guy and go, holy moly, how the hell are they ever going to get the puck off that guy? Turns yeah. out they can't. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce McCurdy, thank you. Thank you very much, Alan. Have a great week. Loving your show. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Bruce McCurdy, Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. Uh, great guest, great writer. The Cult of Hockey, the Evans Journal, and a, a, a very fine friend. I'm lucky to know him. Uh, on the way, NHL rumors. We're going to specifically spend a little... We'll, we've got some Oilers stuff, too. But a little bit of time in Calgary where things are not looking so good and could be disastrous if some of these cats don't sign soon. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's 121. Lowdown with Low Tide. Alan Mitchell. Declan Kruger. Hanging out until 2 o'clock today. Jason Greger and Connor Halley roll in here. Do they still have their entourage? Because it felt like they were, it was an Elvis movie. There were so many extras and people oh, hanging I know. around. Yeah, they still a, they still roll pretty deep. Yeah. They still roll pretty deep. You yeah, and I are out game. here, you know, we got, you know, a shovel and a backpack and we're climbing a hill for two hours. And just, they got it, yeah. you know, they got everything. Just the two of us against the world telling you but we make it work well and we have bonded big time and i I don't think i'd like if you came in here with an entourage i'd be even more intimidated than i already am so no one wants that i I would i would suggest to you that that in life uh, you meeting me is is has to be one of the least intimidating things in the world i mean i sure i find you know fault with what you do but I do it in a nice way. <laughs> no, it was meeting an industry legend. It would be like if a hockey player met Gretzky. You know People what I mean? see that. You know, like I know this is the. You don't want to know why my, my what my big claim to fame was. I started the blog before anybody else. That's it. I got there first. That's it. And I wasn't, you know, planned. And I had a good comments section. See, but you say that like it's almost like a bad thing. No, but I mean, like if if the cult of hockey had done a, and I don't, I love Bruce McCurdy, mm-hmm. but they still, I can never figure out how the hell to comment on there. You know. Anyway, it's over now. The war is over. But I I I feel like uh, when you say that, it's very kind. But I feel like I didn't really do anything to deserve it's deser- that. No, it's deserved. I know you were going to come back with that one. Trust me, it is, it is deserved. I mean, that from the uh, bottom of my It's heart. not like I've helped people, you know, on the way home fix their tire on the side of the road. Did you know that, that a man named Amos Otis, who was a center fielder for the Kansas City Royals, he did that? There was a, I didn't. But that you know, could you imagine that? Like you're broken down on the side of the road and all of a sudden you look up and there's this MLB outfielder there? Like what a day a, that would have been. It was a letter like in 75 to Baseball Digest. And I remember reading it. I don't know if it was Baseball Digest. But it's like, hi, my name is, you know, Leonard. And I was uh, leaving the Kansas City Royals game and I got a flat tire. And this guy pulled over and he helped me and uh, was on his way. And I looked up and I realized I was Amos Otis, who was I'd watched him play the game. <laughs> Just like I, to me, that is the that's the spectacular human. That's the guy you you praise, you know. So you're not putting yourself in that category. I would never I helped anybody do that, anything. You okay? One, no one knew that you could have lied and say you help someone with their tire every I, day. I, Two, I still think you're in that category. No. Changing a tire on the side of the road doesn't define you, and I won't let you let it define you. <laughs> so that's all. That's all I have to add. Well, it's very kind of you. I. Um, I'm not good. Are you good at taking compliments? <laughs> yes. Are you? I, I love a compliment. Really? Oh, okay. yeah. I'm not. I'm. You can't inflate my ego enough. <laughs> um, okay. It's time for the rumors segment, and we want to talk about the Calgary Flames. And here's why. 
I, I, I need the Calgary Flames to be good as a, as a fan of the game because you need the, I call it hate watching. And maybe I'm the only one who does it, but I, I love hate watching the Toronto Maple Leafs and I love hate watching the Dallas Cowboys and I, I love hate watching the New York Mets. And so what happens is I'll watch the Calgary Flames and, if they're, do you remember the game that they played? It was opening night, I think. I do not remember the year, but I was at the mall and I was doing an event for the athletic, and there were goalie fights and goals galore, and it was a nutty, nutty game. It might not have been opening night, it might have been December, but I like you can't get that game against anybody else. Nobody else matters enough, and and the only like you've got. Talbot and Smith fighting on the at center, and then you know Smith comes here. It was it was just nutty, 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 nutty game, and I like it was unbelievable. I I think I I think. Oh, I don't want to be wrong on this. Did Gaetan Haas score on a penalty shot in that game? I'm going to look that up because if it, if that is true, then I can tell you the exact date of the game. But this is why, if I'm right, this is only going to take an hour. If I'm right, this is why, scoring logs, this is why you absolutely have to, you absolutely have to have a strong team in Calgary. No, I've lost it. No. No, I, I I thought he scored on a penalty shot. He did score on a penalty shot. I am right. February 1st, 2020. Oh, oh. Do you know the relief I feel? I was going to say the reaction over there oh, seems like this is vindication like you've never had like before. This is like my Stanley Cup brain. Thank you. This is the game. February 1st, 2020, in the Saddle Dome, the penalties galore. Cam Talbot and Mike Smith forever <laughs> got penalties. Um, Connor McDavid scored twice. There's a shock. Yamamoto had a pair of points. Oscar Kleppbaum had two points. Leon had four assists. Oh, my. And Mike Smith won the game with an 833 percentage, uh, save percentage, and Miko Koskinen came in. They used everybody. They cleaned it out. Oh, Riddich gave up a pile of goals in that game. I'd forgotten. Remember Riddich? He, when he threw, got so excited. <laughs> uh, never over, never, ever, 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 ever over celebrate in front of another team. They'll remember it forever. Anyway, that's why Calgary has to be strong. And there was a report from Eric Francis about GM Craig Conroy saying, we want to see the kids. And I get that. They got a lot of really good kids, but that's up front on defense. You got to sign some of those guys. And it, it's got to be soon. Otherwise, you have to trade Noah Hannafin now. And and they don't want to do that. But you, if you traded Hannafin now... I'm going to retweet out. Oilers for Life do a great <laughs> play-by-play thing. I just tweet, retweeted them doing that game. And it was wild stuff. It really was. But if, if, if they trade Hannafin now, they'll get a, a pile for Hannafin. And it's not a crazy idea. I'm not wrong on that. You got to get something back. You do. What would Boston give up for Noah Hannafin? Or the Hartford Whalers? 
I think the Hartford Whalers would give up everybody on their active roster right now. Flames have got to be good. They, they, they cannot be this bad. And I don't mean this bad now. I mean without Hannafin and without some of those other defensemen. We talked about Adam Ernie earlier signing a PTO with the Edmonton Oilers. And I'll just say this, that for me, and it's not like I know everything, I don't see him as a fit. I don't. He's a winger. They've got piles of wingers. They just do. You know, on the left side, it's Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Dylan Holloway, Warren Fogle can play over there. That's a lot right there. And then you've got uh, Matthias Janmark who has to play over there. You've got like five guys before you say boo. So Ernie, I don't think it's happening. I think Gagne has a better chance, but I don't think he's going to make it either. And as I wrote in The Athletic today, you know, you add all of those players in, all of them, and Raphael Lavoie is still the guy. If he shows well, they're not, they are not going to move him away. He's a right-handed shot, first shot scorer. Some of the metrics that I looked at comparing him to Holloway or Yamamoto, he is a, he's a pure scorer. They are high, high, high value. First shot scorer, 25 goals in the AHL. I think of those, I think I think there were 18 that were at even strength. His even strength goals for game towers over the other young prospects who've come through. Now he's a little older. He's been three years there. But that's part of the Ken Holland, uh, what did he call it, over-ripening or something? Like ripe banana? I get that in Pat Quinn's hind banana mixed up quite often. Want to tell you about this. We talked about this earlier. We're going to talk about it again. Sports 1440, proud to partner with Sports Central for their inaugural bike drive this September. The goal is to reach 1,000 new or gently used bikes this month, so the 25 volunteers have something to do all winter. So the springtime comes, you pump up the jam and pump up the air and the tires and giddy up. Wear a helmet, kids. Do you ride a bike and do you wear a helmet? I don't ride a bike too frequently, uh, but when I do, I always wear a helmet. Always wear a helmet. Well, you're I'm not a young cool guy. You're out exercise. Why don't you like the bike? Are you a swimmer? You're a swimmer. Yeah, I was a swimmer. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I was never big into bike riding. It was never something I did super recreationally with friends. I didn't. We didn't really go on a lot of family bike rides. Mm. And if I was getting exercise, I would swim or run. So it was never a big thing for me. Right. But when I do it, like I, I'm not too cool for a helmet. I'm always wearing a helmet. So what do you do for exercise now that you're growing into your mid to late twenties? I mean, um, tip, typical weight exercises. So a lot of, you know, like bench, squat, deadlift, things like that. A lot of right. dumbbell. And you do that at the gym, not Yes, home, yes, at know. the gym. And then run. Yeah. I used to run a lot more frequently, but uh, I still like to get out there and yeah. run. At, uh, How long is your routine that you're doing your lifting and all that? Half an hour? No, no. Yeah, like about an hour. About okay. an hour a day. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. I'm so trying to go like five times a week. You're kind of fit is what you're talking about. No, I mean, I used to be way more fit. I used to run 10K a day. That's true. Nice. I used to run 10K every single day. Right. So, so you're, you're kind of, you know. I'm washed up at this point. Well, you're kind of, you know. <laughs> That's why I'm on this side of the panel. <laughs> you're kind of easing off. You know? I am. I am. I've, I... But don't you find, okay, this is a, we're heading in a different direction and I still have to tell people that this weekend there's an opportunity to, to drop a bike off at United Sport and Cycle Revolution Cycle, uh, Bonnie Dune Shopping Center and Londonderry Mall. Uh, and that's every weekend during September. But, don't you find that one of the most difficult things, and I'm, I'm, my life has been restructured in the last year, so I'm sort of going through this. 
when I was having my hippie summer, I, I walked twice yes. a fairly long distance every day. I could do it no problem. Now that I'm working on the air and I've got the athletic to ride and that sort of thing, I find that I only, I, I do one, but it's a longer one mm-hmm. and I can't get it in the same spot in the day. Sometimes I can do nine in the morning. Sometimes I have to do seven at night. It's all over the place because life gets in the way. Exactly. Is that what happened to you? And that's why you don't run 10K. Yeah, that, that, I had a lot more free time when I was running 10K every day. Also, like, I, I'm not trying to sound like I was some elite athlete by any stretch, but, like, I legitimately, I was running 10K every day for years. Some days it was 8K, I'll, I'll be honest. But it was 8 to 10K every day for years. And you get to a point you just don't want to do it anymore. Your knees hurt from slamming into pavement. Um, it becomes a chore in parts. You're, you're constantly going for a best time, which, you know, you only achieve one best time. That's why it's your best time. So it just, it just becomes something you don't want to... <laughs> Listen, once you hit 25, the couch becomes a lot more comfortable. Well, and I'll you, say that. But you start to develop relationships. And yeah. some of those relationships are, are next to you. Exactly. And that happens. And you'd rather do that. And and God love you, you know that's just part of life. Yeah, ten k a day for two days straight, maybe I do ten k a day every day. I get in my car and I drive way farther than that, so I, I'm there. I'm de- I can- I want to reiterate one more time, like I'm dead serious. I'm not saying like I went out and oh yeah, like it was ten k every now and then. I was running ten k eight to okay eight to ten k a day, usually ten k for years. Do you know what's good about you? What? Is that you have to keep qualifying it? I if do. you said, "Who the hell's going to know?" But you won't do it. <laughs> well, there was this, no, no, no. We got it. We got a text from our friend Imitation Tom. He said, "Yeah, 10k every day for two days straight." Maybe I'm very. No, serious. I think he was talking about him. Oh, he it. was. Okay. See, yeah, I don't think this was a slight against. Maybe you. that's how fragile my ego is. Like I little sensitive. Thought it was about maybe. me. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should shut the mic off. And well, sit no. Back I'm just saying that 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 you know maybe he's dissing you. I, I mean, I hope he is. <laughs> Makes the show more interesting. But what's good about you is that you felt you had to qualify. That's a good person there. I felt my livelihood was being attacked a little bit, and I well, couldn't stand for that. Hallie would just tack on 5K to his lie. Yeah. You know, 15K a day. <laughs> uh, hey, Low Tide, welcome back. There's a huge void in my day without you and DJ there. Oh, that's very kind. Um if you want to check the records, Tony Romo did the exact same thing in Dallas a few years ago. It was all over the papers. He pulled over and helped the lady on the side of the road fix her tire. Glad to have you back. Have a great day. Roger in Calgary. Romo is my favorite Cowboys quarterback. May I ask why? Because he was the worst Cowboys quarterback. <laughs> he was so painfully average. He was 8-8 eight and eight every year no. with like 3,000 yards, 22 touchdowns. You have to understand, I, I, I was born into the NFL watching Roger Staubach, who was a great quarterback. I miss Dandy Don Meredith, but Staubach, I saw all of his career, basically. Yeah, Staubach was a great one. Well, they drafted him in like 61, and he came in 66. He had to the military, right? And then after that, who came after that? Who was after Staubach? Danny White, and he was no good. Um, and then was it Aikman after that? I can't remember. I don't know if Aikman was directly after that, but there was definitely a bit of a... No, there's somebody, but I'm missing there, who it is. There was, but there was a grace period in terms of success yeah, from Stallback to Aikman. Yeah, so. you're right. Halo Tide in the world of conspiracy theories. Let me try that again. Halo Tide in this world of conspiracy theories. Here's one. I think the Otis have invited all these PTOs that don't really make sense to camp just to get other team scouts in. Maybe. I could see, I actually could see Lavoie being traded. Yak hater? We don't hate the yak. I'm assuming you're talking about Yakapaw? I have no, I have no, no problems with it. I wish it worked out uh, differently and better for him. 
Kroger versus Gregor 10K race for the title of Office Alpha Male from Martin. <laughs> he might yeah. win now. I, I I don't I don't see you as an alpha male. Maybe I'm wrong. You think I'm just a just a big beta? I, I don't know what you are. Weak personality. What are the choices? Over. Well, I thought it was alpha and beta anymore. <laughs> I'll be whatever you want me to be. Al. What are you? What are you? What are you singing? Private dancer over there? I'm just a guy. Holy! Um, of the order's top prospects, Holloway, Broberg, uh, who is impacting the team most in 2025? Ontario Moms. I think it's Broberg. I, I'm sincere in that. I really do think it's Broberg. I could be wrong, but I. My feeling on the issue is that, yeah, it is. Calgary sucks. I hope they have their own decade of darkness. Gaetan Haas totally did score in that, that wild game. Yes, he did. Brooks Orpuk apparently changed the tire on his way home from a playoff loss, which tells you he's a great person. If I lose in the playoffs and I see someone broken down on the side of the road, you wouldn't see me speed past them fast enough. I'm this going straight home. Nice one. To many of us, decades listening to you, you are a legend. That's very kind. People are nice. Norman at Combine. Bruce killed it last night on Autos Live. Knows his stuff. You bet he does. He's a very smart guy and a nice guy, too. Not like some of these crazies out there. Um, Ty, do you think there'll ever be a one division in the CFL? Always be East and West. I think East and West. You have to have representation from both areas. So, I don't know how to uh, I know how to spell the name, but I don't know how to pronounce E O G H A N. Is that Ian? Ewan. I think it on. might be Ewan, as per uh, as per Connor Halley. Okay, was that Connor Halley saying that? It was. He was yelling in the background. Maybe man. it's Owen. No. Uh, no, he says no. Which, you know, give that the exec <laughs> producers in know, my ear telling me how to run the show. The Chargers fan is talking. <laughs> I think it's get Owen. Out of here. I'm going with Owen. Al, can you call your personal security team? I'm just saying. Get out of here. You know, and he's such a nice guy. I hate to do this, but holy moly. For the Elks, I think it's more important just to play well for more momentum next season. I agree with that. It doesn't really matter. This comes from Gruff. Uh, you totally described every parent-teacher meeting for me, my parents. Yeah, it's true. It's should apply themselves. Class clown. That's what I got. And I know I was because I loved to, you know, because it wasn't like I was going to ever be serious. I remember Mr. Afseth in grade 10 saying to me, you know, you're way smarter than you let on. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, you know, you should apply yourself. I'm like, oh, here we go. But if I, if I was interested, I would have done that. Right? I didn't think I was going to be anybody who needed science that's fair i mean you know yourself better than anybody if you don't think you need it why bother i wanted to be in radio when i was like 14 you know my dad wanted me to have a backup job (laughs) every day he lived but i i thought i'll do it don't worry shut down a few stations what the hell oh pat quinn the yak hater well pat quinn the he broke my heart pat quinn did we have to take a break Damn it. I'll tell you why Pat Quinn broke my heart next. It's uh, Low Down with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440, Low Down with Low Tide. Oh, I remember that song. That's taking me back. I lived at, uh, in Red Deer. And that song was all over the radio. And it was played in, in, the, in the clubs and stuff. And it was very cool. Did you know that song was originally written by a 
a woman, a soul, an R and B singer, mm-hmm. a black woman in the fifties, I believe it was, and then Soft Cell t- took and synth popped it, and made it huge. But yeah. uh, originally an R and B song. That's um, that happens a lot. It gets kind of get repurposed, but great song. I like their version of it. I'm going to tell you about Pat Quinn now. Pat Quinn was an excellent coach, but by the time he got to Edmonton, I think the bloom was off the rose a little bit, with due respect. And he wanted what he wanted, and he wanted it on the roster, and the Oilers had this stunningly effective defenseman named Lubomir Viznovsky, and they gave up a ton to get him. They gave up Jared Stoll and Matthew Green. That's two guys who are going to play a long time for one guy who can help you right now, but he could really help you. And the problem with Lubo was all of his cannons were pointed in the wrong direction. He was like the French in World War II. So he was a great puck mover, and he could transport the puck, but Quinn didn't want that. He wanted just defensemen to stay at home and pass the puck out and stop with the fanciness. No Barbara Ann Scott's on this team. And Lubo was exactly that. And so they ended up trading him for Ryan Whitney, who was a very fine defenseman, but but was hurt very quickly after he arrived here. Robin Brownlee did some really good work uh, reporting and, and on it at the time and writing about it. And so Lubo, who was one of my favorite players in the National Hockey League, I was so thrilled when they got him, even though I knew they'd, get, they'd given up a lot. Well, he ends up getting sent away, and they never really used him properly, and he got hurt. It was really sad. And I don't blame Pat Quinn because it wasn't like even if Lubo played brilliantly, they weren't going anywhere. But it was still sad because I really wanted Lubo to do really well with with the Edmonton Oilers. Wonderful to hear you again, Tide. I can echo the sentiments about parent-teacher interviews. I had a badass mom who fought the teachers for being too boring to keep my attention. She had a point because a good documentary can teach me more than any teacher did from Soggy Corpse. Interesting. Good day, Low Tide. Wanted to express my gratitude for the great Don Whitman. Always enjoyed his CFL calls on TV. Be well, sir. Me too. He called Oiler games too. I think he called the Stanley Cup game in 84, I believe he did. I think, I think he did. That's a long time ago. How tall was the box? That's a good question. The box, what you could, you could, my, my dad could turn over. So I'm going to say it was uh, maybe not three feet, but maybe thirty inches. You could do if you if you if you're laying sideways, he could turn over with comfortably. But he didn't want any higher than that because if it ever, I don't know how they got it up the canyon on that way, but they did. They must have gone like a, two miles an hour. Eighty four was Bob Cole. I wonder if they, you know, we could ask Steve Lansky that on Friday. They might have had two calls. They might have had the local and the and the national. They did that. Now I'm wondering. I know it was Don Whitman. Well, we'll talk to Lansky. Can you remind me? Can you stick a pin in that? Absolutely. It's in the calendar. But are you lying to me? Well, it's not in the calendar yet because I was just told, but it will be in the calendar. So I guess I was. But I'll I'll remind you. I'll remind you. I don't know whether you will or not. 
I don't no, know if I can trust you yet. Nothing about what I said was unreliable. All I said was I'm going to do it, and you questioned it. How many times have you been lied to in life that a simple answer such as that had you had you questioned many, things? Many, many, many okay, times. Well, many, many, many. I'm not. Times. I'm not going to lie to you like that. Okay. All right. NFL guys are pros. NHL players play three times a week. NHL hits are harder than NFL. I love NFL too. They should be able to recover. They travel pretty cozy compared to 1954. Do, do you know how much? Physical damage happens to a body in the NFL every, even just on special teams. The, these guys, they're dying when they're in their 50s. They're broken. Have you ever seen a Hall of Fame award ceremonies? The guy, even the guys who aren't getting in, they all, they're there to wish their teammates well. They're broken human beings. Am I not, am I wrong about this? I know I'm right. They get the hell beat out of them every weekend. Yeah, the fact that they're flying first class as opposed to economy doesn't change the fact that they're essentially in a car crash every yeah. every week and have six days to recover. In Thursday night football's case, three. Yeah. So and yeah. and that's when injury. Like I guarantee, one of the Vikings or the Eagles will come out of there with a hellacious injury that'll impact the entire year. And you talk about special teams; they changed the kickoff. They moved the kickoff up five yards because mm-hmm. kickoffs were too dangerous. There were too many injuries, and they wanted to induce touchbacks. And that was just one facet of the game people don't even think about. That's how dangerous the game is. It, it, it's it, it, The game is so dangerous, I don't think it's going to last. A hundred years from now, it'll be different. Parents it, don't let their kids play anymore. No, it, There's it, no way. It used to be when I was a kid, there were a lot of tackling around the hips. And, and, and that sounds vulgar, but I don't mean it to be. There was a lot of grabbing the, the torso and throwing the guy down. And then you had guys like Bill Baker who did the clothesline, which was vicious and vile, and that's gone from the game. You know, all of a sudden they found out if you headhunted, you could get on SportsCenter's top 10 yeah, for a year in 1994. Know. And now, I mean, we're living with the results as is. Yeah, it's brutal sport. It is, totally. How the Jays hitting coaches are still employed is a mystery to me from James. Yeah, I, I got to say, they're disappointed. And Vladdy is especially disappointing because he had like 41 home runs a couple of years ago. But that whole team, the Alec Manoa thing really bothers me. Like, you cannot lose a pitcher that valuable this way. Stupid merger. UFC loses all credibility joining up with the male soap opera. <laughs> that is the WWE. They're trying something. It'll it'll splinter if, if uh, what Declan said is true. We won't stay together. Hey, Gregor, great to hear you back on the airwaves. However, why is my reception so bad? I mean, that reception was so bad, he thought I was Gregor. <laughs> if that's the case, then we do need to fix something after all. Also love the baseball story and the tree husks. Yeah, that was that was Chris Hammond, who was pitching for Florida in Colorado, in Denver. And I, I blame Sean Friedenberger. He's the one who called, oh! <laughs> He had this, again, with the, the tauntingness of the laugh. Oh! <laughs> I broke the phone and I went outside and chopped down a tree. That's not good. That's not good. Whitman did the Jets Oilers series. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I Whitman was the guy. Whitman was the biggest Calgary homer who ever lived. No, he wasn't. He was from Winnipeg. Low tide. Why does it sound like someone is taking orders from consumers distributors? <laughs> You don't remember Consumers Distributors, do you? Consumers Distributing. Um, 
they used to, you'd go in and they had these laminated catalogs and you had a pencil and a, a little piece of paper and you'd write down what it was and you'd take it over to the counter and a guy on roller skates would go back in the warehouse and, and fly seven miles in two seconds and get your candle television and you would buy it at a good price. That was the entire business model of consumers distributing and they did very well. Down did do a broadcast for the Otis final mid, mid 80s. That's what I'm saying. I know he did. Spent years living in New Zealand watching the All Blacks play rugby, no pads and huge hits. NFL players hit and tackle to injure with poor form. Rugby players from New Zealand make NFL players look like pansies. Can we say pansies on the air? I think so. I think That's, so. And there's a, there's a degree of truth to that. The NFL is a you know, collision sport with the intent to injure in a lot of respects, and rugby's a sport based on tackling form, so there's some truth to that. Do you know when it started? I'll tell you when it started, and I loved it, and I regret that I loved it, but there was a guy named Ronnie Lott who played. He was a DB. Yeah, he was a safety. Oh, he's safety, right. Yeah, and he could, oh, he was he, incredible. He, everything he hit just was flattened. He, like, I mean, I, you almost felt like he could run up to the side of a building and flatten it. He was unbelievable as a hitter. And, and that's the, that's the most violent hitter I've ever seen. And it's because he stood out so much from the rest of the league. And a guy who followed in his footsteps, who's a little bit more my, my, my time period, but a guy who followed in Ronnie Lott's footsteps, same position was Ed Reed. Yes. They played oh, the yes. same way. Very yep. much. Yep. Very, Ed Reed was key to winning too for that team back in the day. They're not winning anymore though. How, how are you feeling about your, your bills? Are you okay? I'm I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned. I think Josh Allen is the second best quarterback in the world, despite the three interception performance. But he goes through periods like this. He goes through periods where he'll t- will he'll turn the ball over like it's a hot potato, and then he'll go through periods where he looks like a generational quarterback that I think he is. I'm not worried. I I think Stephon Diggs is one of the top receivers. I like our secondary. I'm happy with the team. I'll leave it at that. I Travis Yost is a friend of mine, and he he said something that was about the Bills, and they're not you know having a tough time or whatever. And I said back, I remember, I think it was 88, Lasorda is in the dugout for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they're playing the Phillies, and they're up like 8-3 in the bottom of the ninth. All they have to do is get three outs, and they lose the game. They go to extra innings, and they lose the game. And Lasorda hit a cup of coffee. He had a little almost schoolboy desk at the end of the Dodgers dugout. And he took the car, and he backhanded it, and it went about 30 miles. And he was so angry. And you could understand why he was angry. But my point to Yost was they were a great team and they won the World Series that year. So maybe, you know, maybe they'll go from, from the sublime to the ridiculous, from the low to the high, from the far to the near. You got anything else you can throw in? No, no, no. I think you're personifying it well. Um, two things. We got to get the, the Grover near and far froggy thing. We got to get that as a clip. We can do that. We can make that happen. Secondly, I want to do Twang Tuesday. I don't know when we're going to start it, but are you up for that? If I give you a list of songs, can you play them on Tuesdays? Yeah, I think I can do that. All right. Next Tuesday seems as good a time to start as any. Okay. Well, then let's do that. Let's plan for it anyway. How many minutes before we should break? Well, we should probably head towards an update right now. Okay. Well, listen, I really enjoyed today's show. I love coming in. I love that you tune in. This young man is going to be a star. Stay tuned tomorrow. Gregor's on the way next. Time for an update.